Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 29th of November, the second to last day of November, 2022. Happy uh, after Thanksgiving. Yeah, I didn't feel like doing a show yesterday. So you got the weekend effing review, which you can get every Saturday morning, night, whatever. No, Friday night, Saturday morning at midnight at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. Plus, it's a great way to just support the show. I posted some pictures up there at uh, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast and at Derek Hunter locals dot com to uh, show the uh, the Hunter family Thanksgiving, the activities we engaged in over the course of the weekend to some of the family when they came to visit some taken before then, but it's a good time. A splendid time is guaranteed for all. So check that out and enter to win the autographed Anne Rice or Donald Trump book. Surprisingly, it's not uniform that people want Donald Trump. A lot of people want Anne Rice, too. So there's a, depending on what is drawn, there's a chance that the Trump book will survive another week up there. Now, he's definitely by far the prohibitive favorite, but it's about what's pulled out of the hat, not what's thrown in. Anyway, go there, check it out, and appreciate it, uh, the support. Let's get started. Yeah, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you had a a wonderful Black Friday. A little disappointed in myself. I didn't. I didn't even look. I didn't. Wasn't going to go buy anything. There really isn't anything I'm in the market for right now. But I am normally one of the world's biggest Black Friday freaks, and uh, I just like. I don't know. I like even the concept of a deal, and I just didn't even bother normally my thanksgiving especially when i lived in baltimore they had a limit the people it was very lot of people concentrated in the area and the only place to buy a sun was at the 7-eleven nearby at least you know a good edition of the sun where everything was packed all the sales circulars were packed in there so i would get up early in the morning on thanksgiving and go to the 7-eleven because it was one of those 7-elevens that wasn't open 24 hours a day they closed at midnight and opened at 6. So I'd get up and get up there. Because if you weren't there by know, 9, 10 o'clock, all of the papers were gone. You were screwed. So I'd get up and I'd buy a Sun and I'd buy a Washington Post. Just because sometimes the Best Buy circulars in one and not in the other. And I uh, I used to scour those things. Like, Ooh, where's the good deals? Where's the good deals? And then plan my uh, either Thursday evening or Friday morning accordingly. And this year... In the last couple of years when I've really had less of a desire to go out and trample, like I've got TVs, all right? I got good TVs. I don't need to update my TVs, no matter how good the price on TVs is. But I'd still like to look, you know? I'd still like to look at it, see what the deals are, maybe get mad that I got screwed over the last time I bought one. But I didn't even do that. Couldn't bring myself to do that. So times they are changing. Today is it's Cyber Monday. Which is, and then it's like Giving Tuesday. And how about just leave us to hell alone on Wednesday? Can we get a leave us to hell alone Wednesday? Because I would really like one of those. One of the biggest, well, I have a lot of complaints, sort of what I do for a living. But one of my biggest complaints is you just can't check out of a restaurant, or a, not a restaurant, eh? although, God, they'll come to restaurants too. Can't check out of a store 
without, hey, would you like to donate to this thing? Would you like to donate to that thing? Do you want to give some of the, how you want to round up to do the other thing? Like, no, I, I just want to be left alone. I want to pay for what I'm paying for, and that's it. So anyway, I hope you had a great weekend. Family came out, and uh, we played lots of games. And it was fun. Lions lost, U.S. tied, and University of Michigan beat Ohio State. So it was, you know, all in all, pretty good. Lions expected to lose U.S. soccer. Not really super into U.S. soccer. But the University of Michigan beating Ohio State makes up for all of it. Anyway, there's a lot going on. Bunch of things to talk about. Sitting here, sitting here, trying to figure out where do we start? Do we start in China? Do we start with the latest Trump controversy? Let's let's start in China. We'll get to the Trump controversy. It's I don't know what to think of either one of them. The media is trying to find ways to talk about the China story without offending the Chinese dictatorship. The United Nations, the the Biden administration, they aren't really all that interested in talking about the oppression that's going on in China. It's a weird thing. Everybody sees it happening. They have to say something. And so they end up putting out a statement that, quite frankly, is stupid. It's just stupid. And, you know, that's the Biden administration. The United Nations is very interested in words. Well, words are going to hurt people. Words aren't going to be hurting people. The United Nations, the official United Nations Twitter account, they tweeted out just uh, yesterday, words can be weapons. Hate speech online can lead to cruelty and violence in real life. Get tips for how to say no to hate. From the, If you need sp- uh, speech tips from the United Nations, you should, not, uh, you should be embarrassed. You should be ashamed of yourself. If you're an American, the rest of the world doesn't have the concept of free speech that we do. This is all directed towards the United States. That's what this is. The rest of the world, I don't give a damn what they do. They are not free speech absolutists. They do not have constitutional protections against government intrusion on speech the way the United States does. So I don't give a damn. Like, oh, over in France, you know you can go. I know you can go to jail for saying things. They've been trying to put Bridget Bardot in jail for a very long time for pointing out that radical Islamist terrorists are committing terrorism in the name of Islam. Yeah. It's really that simple. So forgive me if I don't care about what's going on in France. I understand that when I go to, we'll get into this in a bit too. I understand that when I go to France, I'm subject to the laws of France. I don't get to say, well, see, I can come over here and say anything I want. I'm an American. Here's my copy of the Constitution. It comes with me. It doesn't work that way. But the United Nations, which we're paying for, we're paying for most of it, says, uh, here's how to deal with hate speech. Hate speech occurs in all societies, whether offline or online. It can sometimes be hard to assess when a comment is meant as hate speech. Don't listen to anybody. Just always be ready to be offended. Be on the cusp of offense every time. Especially when expressed in the virtual world. It can also feel overwhelming to try to deal with obvious hateful content. Try to be a conservative online. We're not a bunch of uh, crybabies sitting around whining about how rough we got it. However, there are many ways you can take a stand, even if you are not personally the victim of hate speech. This is 
This is what is called foreplay in the world of leftists. They love being offended by proxy on behalf of other people. They are offended on behalf of other people so frequently that they get, and so desperately in love with the concept, that they get offended on behalf of people who are not offended. They're the white liberal. You can imagine like a Richard Attenborough nom, uh, narrated documentary. The white liberal is uh, ready to be offended on behalf of everybody, including and especially the minorities who are not offended at all because they know better. You can make a difference. The following tips may be helpful. Pause. Refrain from making any hateful comments yourself and or relaying such content. Whether online or offline, we should act responsibly to stop the spread of hate and misinformation. Now, wait a second. Hate and misinformation? Why? Where did misinformation come? This is how to deal with hate speech. Is misinformation hate speech? See, misinformation in the mind of the United Nations and all the countries there, all the left-wing radical dictatorships there that basically control the United Nations, to them, misinformation would be, hey, uh, your country sucks. Cuba, it sucks to live in Cuba. It sucks to live in Venezuela. Why, that's hate speech and misinformation. Hmm. Check out the United Nations Pledge to Pause campaign to find out why it's important to take a moment to pause before you share content online. Learn how to do this responsibly. Whether you're forwarding a message, retweeting a story, or watching a video in your feed. Um, renounce your citizenship if you're looking to the United Nations for how best to communicate. Please, please just do the world a favor. Do the country a favor. It'll be the one good thing you do for this country. Then fact check the digital world. In the digital world, it's common to come across misinformation and harmful content, but it's relatively easy to verify content if you find it uh, to find uh, you find is reliable. To detect false and biased information, false and biased. Wait a second, false is one thing. Biased is something else because the United Nations has a bias. The United Nations, for example, hates Israel. They're very anti-Semitic. Always have been. They're like, oh, false and biased. Now, we've gone from hate speech to hate speech and misinformation to information that is false and biased. Biased. Hmm. I mean, only biased in one way, obviously. To detect false and biased information, including hate speech propaganda, be sure to check the content's origins with the help of search engines, fact-checking tools, and other reliable sources. You can also download images and run them through image search tools to find out whether they, where they appeared first. You know, don't just have thoughts of your own. Make sure that the world governing body, the one that dreams of being the in charge of everything around the world is okay with it and there's react whenever possible do not remain silent when even when it occurs when others are targeted speak up calmly but firmly against hate speech and call it out to make clear that you do not agree with the content of the statement when relevant refute misinformation with facts providing reliable sources to back up your arguments they're making everybody good little dictator deputies, all right? We've gone from the Stasi insisting that the good Germans will inform on their neighbors having impure thoughts to the United Nations saying you must inform on your neighbors having impure thoughts, even if they're not 
your neighbors, and even if they are not impure thoughts, if they can be viewed as impure thoughts, go get them. Challenge, it says, one way to tackle hate speech is to spread your own counter speech to make sure hate is not the dominant narrative. You can undermine hateful content with positive messages that spread tolerance, equality, and truth in defense of those being targeted by hate. You shouldn't need to be told this, but that should be the only thing that any government if they suggest anything, they shouldn't suggest anything, but that should be what society says. Hey, the counter to horrible speech is more speech, is better speech. Defeat them in the battlefield of ideas. The problem isn't that the left agrees with this. The problem is the left doesn't agree with this. This is just lip service. This is the gathering of the mob that goes out and cancels people. That's what they ultimately advocate for, cancel people. Next, support, taking a public stand for and extending solidarity to people who are the targets of hate speech demonstrates that rejecting hate is the responsibility of every individual. Here, listen to me now and hear me later. You are not responsible for uh, defending or refuting or getting into online arguments with anonymous troll bot accounts probably from foreign governments or left-wing organizations designed explicitly to stir the pot. Most of the so-called hate speech I see is so, or the things that cause the leftists to go nuts, usually by accounts that are fake. Johnny, 7843252229. Oh, okay, he's got nine followers, has been on Twitter since last month. And all he does is say provocative things. Now, if you're a leftist, how many times do you have to go through the, there's a hate speech, there's a hate crime on campus, there's a hate crime on campus. And then a week later they find out, well, no, security cameras showed that it was actually the student who claimed to have been the target of the hate speech, who reported the hate speech to the university. They were the ones who did it. How many times do you have to see that? So these anonymous troll accounts and bot accounts out there are more than likely, I'd bet, these social justice warriors who wake up every morning hell-bent on combating racism and sexism and transphobia and everything. Why? Because that's what they're told to do. They are weak, feeble-minded people who don't really think for themselves all that much. They're too young. They've been indoctrinated their whole lives. And they wake up every morning thinking this country is a horrible, awful place. And so they set out to destroy the horrible, awful things that this country does, and they can't find them, so they create them themselves. Plus, there's uh, having been an internet troll in my younger years, uh, there's a little bit of I like pretending to be them to, uh, you know, just take it to the extreme. Talking 20 years ago here, but that was fun to do. It still, I bet, is fun to do in these people's minds. You grow out of it eventually, but... Next report. Here comes the Stasi again. United Nations. Most online platforms and communities have rules to keep users user discussions respectful. Now it's respectful. Hmm. I thought it was hate speech, violence, all those sorts. No, now it's just respectful. And will let you easily report hate messages to administrators or moderators. Read social media platform guidelines and tips to protect users from harassment and hate speech. It must be, if you need to be protected from speech, um, you're a loser. I guess it'd be the easiest way to put it. You're a loser. 
For more serious cases, which may constitute incitement of violence, harassment, and or threats prohibited by law, notify organizations fighting hate speech, and or file a complaint with police or the public prosecutor. Some countries have online tools to make reporting hate speech even easier. Narc out your neighbor. Now, if somebody's threatening your life, definitely tell authorities. If somebody says you're fat and ugly, um, get over it. Educate is the second to last one. You can help raise awareness of hate speech online and offline simply by engaging with your family and friends in conversations about how hateful content can harm societies. And there's no, your family would love nothing more than to be lectured by some jackass leftist about how horrible their country is and how horrible they probably are by extension. Advocates for responsible behavior uh, advocate for responsible behavior and share public campaigns and educational resources. Yes, make your social media feed nothing but a human rights watch and United Nations and all this Amnesty International crap, nothing but a feed of their garbage. That is a good way, and thankfully, please, I'm serious about this, do this, so that the rest of us know to avoid you, not only online, but in real life. And then finally, 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 this is the recruiting. Commit. Consider joining an NGO or other civil society initiative that works to address, address the issue of hate speech in your community. Not only... Not only should you inform the Gestapo, the Stasi, the secret police of the activities of your neighbors and the impure thoughts they have, you should then look to becoming deputized yourself so that others may report to you. Yes, get involved. That's how you get them. That's how you hook them. Give them a little bit of power, a little bit of responsibility, and it's game on from there. This is how totalitarianism works. And here it is being paid for by us and promoted by the United Nations. Yeah, they should have an asterisk after every one of these things. Say so you can criticize the United States all you want. You can, Christians, white people, and for God's sakes, please badmouth the Jews. I mean, if the United Nations is at all interested in being honest, but they're not. So while the UN is not all that interested in denouncing China, they are interested in making sure that you do not engage in so-called hate speech. Hate speech, my God. Hate speech. Oh, by the way, there are a bunch of women taking to the streets of China right now, too, before we even get to the protests and what they're over. Women are being oppressed in China. And the head of the UN, the Secretary General of the United Nations... Antonio Gutierrez. What is he tweeting about? Is he tweeting about the condemnation of violence by the Chinese government against their own... No. No. He's tweeting, quote, Violence against women and girls is exacerbated by the intersecting crises of climate, conflict, and economic instability. We need climate action and more peaceful, equitable, and a more peaceful and equitable world to ensure the well-being of women and girls everywhere. Yeah, equity. Sound familiar, doesn't it? It's Democrats. It's the communists, ultimately, is what it is. It's the equality of outcome. There's your head of the United Nations. People are being beaten to death. People are being disappeared in communist China. And uh, the United Nations looks at that and says, well, you know, I mean, that's what can happen. 
That's what goes on. All of this in China is about China's zero COVID policy. That sounds good. We want to get rid of COVID. And to get rid of COVID, you have to have zero COVID, right? If you want to get rid of COVID. The problem is getting rid of COVID is impossible. It's a horrible shame. Of course, I feel torn up inside that China is facing such horrible consequences from a virus they seemingly manufactured and then released accidentally or otherwise on the world. So it's hard to cry for them, Argentina, but that's the government of China, not the people of China. And the people of China are having enough of zero COVID. Zero COVID means zero COVID, means that anytime COVID rears its ugly head, they snap back into full-blown communist-style dictator lockdowns. Here we have people still going, maybe we shouldn't open schools, maybe we should require testing to go back to schools in certain Democrat jurisdictions. And if that's what Democrats want to do, that's what Democrats want to do. Democrats are exceedingly good at screwing up the lives of children, particularly when it comes to their education. Then again, morons keep electing Democrats. So, I mean, who cares, right? Homeschool your kids or send your kids to private school or whatever you have to do. Get them out of the public schools if they are controlled by leftists. So the uh, Chinese government's zero COVID policy means massive draconian lockdowns to the point that they physically lock people in their apartments and physically lock apartment buildings. This led to a fire that shock of all shocks in an apartment building killed a bunch of people because they weren't able to leave when fire broke out. They were locked in their apartments. It also made the extinguishing of that fire particularly difficult when certain members of your fire brigade are locked down. Certain people, when people take to the streets to protest, it just it led to a giant mess in China. And that has led to even more protests. And surprisingly, while the Biden administration doesn't give a damn, and while the United Nations doesn't give a damn, and really while most of the world media doesn't seem to give it, it's bizarre watching these people exist in this world where, like, BBC had a reporter that was arrested by the Chinese communists and beaten up allegedly. Hey, if I got to say that about murderers here, I suppose we should say it around, around the world. They, they released a statement on their reporter, Ed Lawrence, that the BBC is extremely concerned about the treatment of our journalist, Ed Lawrence, who was arrested and handcuffed while covering protests in Shanghai. He was held for several hours before being released. During his arrest, he was beaten and kicked by the police. This happened while he was working as an accredited journalist. So what? Wait, don't beat me. I am an accredited journalist. Go and beat the peons over there, the people. Is that what you're trying to say should happen? Shouldn't you? It shouldn't matter the profession of somebody being beat by the totalitarian dictatorship. It should matter that the person is being beaten, right? Shouldn't it? Not to leftists. Go ahead and beat the Chinese people, but leave the Brits alone. Meanwhile, here's a statement from the White House. 
This is weak, weak sauce. This is from Kristen Brown from CBS News, covers the White House there. Quote, We've said that zero COVID is not a policy we, uh, we are pursuing here in the United States. And as we've said, we think it's going to be very difficult in the People's Republic of China to be able to contain this virus through their zero COVID strategy. For us, we are focused on what works, and that means using the public health tools like continuing to enhance vaccination rates. I don't know what enhance vaccination rates means. Uh, including boosters and making testing and treatment easily accessible. We've long said everyone has the right to peacefully protest here in the United States and around the world. This includes in the PRC, the People's Republic of China. That's the extent. That's it. That's the whole. There you go. There's your mealy-mouthed, wishy-washy statement. People have the right to protest. No, they don't. They do not. Totalitarian governments where and progressive governments, dare I say, that grant their citizens rights rather than acknowledge their citizens are born with certain rights that government can't mess with, which is the case here in the United States. If the government grants you rights, the government can take them away. And government just simply doesn't grant people the right to protest because they find it inconvenient. They find it a threat or recognize that it could very well lead to a threat of their power. So to sit there and stupidly say, we've said people have the right to peacefully protest. No. And secondly, you you kept quiet during the summer of riots because they were your brown shirts out there. So spare me the peaceful protest crap. But there is no condemnation of brutalizing people, of mass arrests, of disappearing people in China. There is none of that. There is nothing for all of his lip service, and there really isn't all really all that much lip service that Joe Biden pays toward being tough on China, just like he's not tough on corruption in Ukraine. You notice he's really kind of weak on countries where his son did business. Isn't it weird? There's massive corruption in Ukraine. You can sit there and say, well, Russia invading Ukraine is horrible. They need to stop. We need to help Ukraine. And simultaneously acknowledge that Ukraine is a wildly corrupt country where money goes to disappear. But Joe doesn't say that. There's no accountability. There are no strings of accountability attached to the money that the Biden administration sends over there. I wonder why. I wonder if if they've got something on him. On China... It's pretty clear that they are committing atrocities against their own people. And the Biden administration can't even bring themselves to full-throatedly or even half-throatedly condemn them. We don't think zero COVID is plausible, so we don't do it. Okay, great. What do you say to the tens of thousands of people who are being disappeared? Anything? Anything about them? No. NBC News, the Today Show does a better job of painting it, because if you just read the White House statement, you wouldn't even know what the hell was going on over there in China, to be honest with you. People have a right to protest, including in the the PRC. And if you you just woke up from a, a, a long nap, you wouldn't know what that meant. The Today Show does know what that means. They have a reporter over there. Now, I wonder how, if this is going to be, since this statement is relatively new from the Biden administration, it's from today, this morning, if there is going to, if this is the new narrative, I wonder how much longer NBC News is going to bother reporting 
on the unrest in China. But while they still are, before this report you're about to hear two clips from, uh, before you hear them, these, this report was filed before the statement from the White House, which means it stands a better chance of being truthful and honest. There might be a couple more follow-up statements after this, reports after this, that uh, sort of walk it back or downplay things because that's what the administration wants. But before they had their marching orders, this was the portrait they were painting. All right, let's move now to a rare site in China. Protests are spreading across that country. Thousands are taking to the streets, some even calling for China's president to step down. All of this amid rising frustration over the government's zero COVID strategy. NBC's Janice Mackey Frayers in Beijing with the very latest. Hey, Janice, good morning. Good morning. When we talk about zero COVID here, we're talking about restrictions that control every aspect of daily life. When you get COVID in China, you don't take a few days off work and ride it out at home. They track you down and they take you away to the hospital where you're isolated. Your family is taken to a quarantine center and you stay in the system until the system says you can leave. The problem is that the government hasn't scaled up vaccinations in the same way, meaning three years into the pandemic, most of the country still has very little experience with the virus. So the problem now facing Xi Jinping and the leadership is that there's no clear exit strategy. And there's no clear exit strategy. There's not enough virus vaccines and blah, blah. It just sounds absolutely horrible. You are a possession of the state. You are property of the state in China. They don't really express, they don't ever really report that, but that's what it is. In leftist, totalitarian, progressive regimes, you don't matter. Your individuality does not matter. Your individual rights do not matter. It is about the greater good as determined by self-appointed people who get to decide what is and is not the greater good. Keep that in mind. You are disposable, the individual is disposable. I say it all the time, but it's something that needs to be hammered home. The left, progressive left, radical left, whatever you want to call them, the individual is disposable to them. Occasionally there are some that they care about that they can use as martyrs, and they do. They put them on t-shirts and put them on posters and what have you. But in general, the individual is disposable. That's how you can oversee the wholesale slaughter of more than 100 million people in the last century on the altar of your political philosophy. And that's what happened. I'm not talking about 100 million dead from World War I and World War II. And no. In addition to the slaughter in World War I and World War II and all the wars, I'm talking about the, the uh, famines and the purges and everything that happened in China and in Russia, and in Cuba, and you name the dictatorship, North Korea, all of that, everywhere, in uh, Cambodia, you name it. Those were all done as a matter of policy, not to execute as many people, but as possible, although if you did try, I'm not sure how you could do more, but to exert control. In the case of the famine in the Soviet Union and in Ukraine, it was what? They couldn't tell Stalin that his wonderful plan didn't work. 
So and the people, Stalin wouldn't acknowledge that the, the grain was uh, not coming in the way he'd said it would. So they just took all the grain. They left the people who grew the grain nothing, left them to starve. While saying, look at all the grain we have in Moscow. Wasting the grain in many cases, just to put on a show for the rest of the world, which, by the way, the New York Times lapped up and thought, my God, it's wonderful, and won Pulitzer Prizes for their coverage of, even though they also knew the truth of the famine. It didn't matter. It did not matter to these leftists. Over in China, the Great Leap Forward, the Cultural Revolution, they were disasters. People were wholesale slaughtered. doesn't matter. No one individual matters. No group of individuals. No 50 million individuals in a nation of, at the time, I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 800 million Chinese. Didn't, it didn't matter. You barely noticed it. Now they've got a billion and a half people. Do you think the attitude has changed when the wholesale slaughter of that many people becomes even less significant compared to the general population? No, they're not going to care. Here's the rest of the NBC News report. Probably the last time they'll be honest about it, if I had to guess. Extraordinary scenes across China. Protests in multiple cities against the government's grinding zero-COVID rules. From Shanghai in the east to Urumqi in the northwest, crowds swelled in defiance, spilling over to the heart of Beijing. Chanting for freedom from the grip of a COVID policy that protesters say has worn on too long. They're calling for the end of lockdowns, the end of testing, all of the zero COVID measures that have ruled daily life here. The blank sheets of paper to protest censorship. The internet here scrubbed of any hint of unrest. The boldest public challenge yet for leader Xi Jinping. In Shanghai, surrounded by police, some protesters daring to call for him to step down. A move almost unheard of in China. They did it for everybody, says this woman in Beijing. The national outcry triggered by a deadly fire in Xinjiang that took hours to put out. The delay widely blamed on COVID measures there, where lockdowns have confined most people for months. <laughs> Doesn't it sound wonderful? It's a utopia. And so many of our Western leaders admire that. They look at it. By the way, in order to placate the mobs that they're uh, imprisoning, that they're torturing, that they're disappearing if they get too lippy, guess what? They're, they're using porn. They're using porn. I want to talk about an opiate of the people. UK Daily Mail, a torrent of spam posts advertising escort services have flooded Twitter amid protests against China's COVID protocols, analysts have said, claiming the Chinese government is trying to cover up the scale of the demonstrations. Searches performed on social media networks in China for names of cities where anti-lockdown protests have erupted revealed untold numbers of erotic posts published, published by Chinese bot accounts. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? I mean, I guess you know your audience. Men can be pretty damn stupid. We're like, hey, we need this. I will not stand. I will not. Ra Wait, boobs. Yeah, you want to talk about the prevalence of porn online. That's a thing for a different topic. But you can see it's uh, being weaponized here being weaponized here big time and it's being weaponized i suspect because it works will our president wake the hell up and 
will he stand up and just say, hey, you shouldn't be beating the hell out of people rather than saying people should be able to protest? Well, that's that's not really taking a strong stand against China. Or is he too worried about whatever it was that Hunter discussed on his business trip when Joe was vice president when he flew over there on Air Force Two? And he's worried that maybe some of that was recorded and it could come back and haunt him. Is the president compromised more than just mentally? Probably. Before we move off of COVID, I want to play you this. uh, President Fauci is, mm, I suppose he's on his farewell tour. I don't think he's retired yet. I think he's about to retire at the end of the year, but he's doing his farewell tour. Like I said, he had his final speak day at the uh, White House podium last week, just before Thanksgiving. And now he did his Final appearance. Uh, I wonder if he's going to do each weekend, he's going to do a different Sunday show or if he's just going to ever shut up. But he uh, he went on CBS's show, the, what is it, uh, Face the Nation. And talking to Margaret Brennan, he is still, God, talk about somebody must have something on somebody. They, he is still doing the best he can to try to uh, defend China from the obvious fact that, look, this COVID came from China. It was a lab leak. There's no, the odds of it being anything other than a lab leak are infinitesimal. They say, well, it could have come from a wet market. It could have been bat soup, blah, blah, blah. Except that they never found the virus in the wet market and they never found a virus in bats. This version of the virus does not exist in bats. Why? Because it wasn't manufactured in bats. It was manufactured in a lab to infect human beings. You could say they did it for altruistic reasons, this gain-of-function thing. Well, in 50,000 years, this might happen, and so we should be ready. And if we create the virus now, then we can uh, look into the prospect of being able to fight it in 50,000 years. We, they advanced this thing leaps and bounds. But that's not what happened. It was manufactured in a lab, and it was likely paid for, in part at least, by our tax dollars through grants by President Fauci. Uh, a shame that he has spent the last three years trying to cover up and will spend the rest of his life trying to cover up and probably won't actually come out. The truth fully won't come out until long after President Fauci's dead, I'd say 10 or 15 years after he dies. That's when things will start to come out, unless President Fauci somehow upsets his Chinese communist masters or they find it advantageous to throw him under the bus to protect themselves because that's how communists work. And so he is busy sucking up to them and defending and deflecting for them. He was asked about the origins of COVID and COVID in general. And he does all he can to blame the Trump administration. The Trump administration was blaming China for this thing. And that's why China won't cooperate. Not because China had something to hide, mind you. It's because China is just going to recoil in horror if you accuse them of doing horrible things, which is, if you're familiar with the Chinese communists or Chinese dictatorships at all, It's a hilarious concept that Chinese dictatorships, that communist dictatorships in any way, shape or form are concerned with the mean things people are saying about them. 
Anyway, listen to President Fauci. Have you seen anything that Beijing has produced at all in terms of explanation or data? Well, their explanation is an explanation that they will not allow us to look at the primary information. The WHO went in and, and saw some of the data, which some of which was actually quite helpful. But we, you, you know what we need, Margaret? We need a, 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 a transparency and a collaboration to open things up so that we could discuss it in a non-accusatory exactly. way. What happens is that if you look at the anti-China approach that clearly the Trump administration had right from the very beginning and the accusatory nature, the Chinese are going to flinch back and say, no, I'm sorry, we're not going to talk mm -hmm. to you about it, which is not correct. But they they're not talking be. to the Biden administration about it either. Exactly. I think that horse is out of the barn and they're very suspicious of anybody trying to accuse them. They're very suspicious of anybody trying to accuse them. Are they very suspicious of anybody trying to accuse them or are they very suspicious of anybody trying to expose them, Tony? See, that's a difference. It's a very important difference, by the way. Are you trying to accuse them? You accuse me of murder. I'm not going to take that very kindly. But if I've murdered somebody and you're trying to expose me as murder as a murderer, I'm going to take that uh, differently, but it's going to maybe appear the same way. The indignation. These people are insane. These people are lunatics. These people, Fauci in general, I think has more to hide than just about anybody else, maybe in all of human history. When in reality... If at the beginning of this thing, Fauci had just been straight up and said, hey, look, yeah, we were funding gain of function. We shouldn't have been. He would have probably been fired, but his reputation wouldn't be ruined. His reputation now with a large percentage of the population is ruined, but it will survive until after his death with the cult of Fauci. Look, Margaret Brennan is in the cult of Fauci, don't get me wrong. She's not out there bad. Like, there, there are serious, legitimate questions to be asked of President Fauci, and he's not going to go anywhere near people who are going to ask those types of questions. But it's just worthy of note, as China is uh, in the news temporarily, now that the Biden administration has signaled that they don't really care about it, expect that to go away. But now that China is in the news for mass oppression of their people, something that could be a permanent story for them. Fauci coming out and trying to give cover. Look, they're, they're not trying to hide anything. They're just recoiling. They're just recoiling because they don't appreciate being accused of anything. Well, they could, if they have nothing to hide, why are they hiding stuff? You know, that might be a question for President Fauci, but that ain't how it works. Not with our dishonest media. So, yeah, this guy can't retire fast enough. He really can't. Because then, when when he retires, Republicans will take over Congress. Will take over the House. And will be able to launch investigations. He did say that he would participate. He would respond to subpoenas. He would uh, testify and what have you. He doesn't have... A, so he says. We'll see if that actually is the case. It's really easy to say. It's another thing entirely to do. But one person who won't... And this is hilarious. Very few people have issued as many subpoenas as Adam Schiff has. That's right. 
Adam Schiff, good old Shifty Schiff, is a leaking ship. He's one of the three Democrats. Look, Democrats started banning Republicans. Remember that? They started kicking them off of committees. And uh, Republicans said, you don't want to do that because uh, we're going to we're going to do the same. We're going to hold you to the same standards. And Democrats said, no, no, no. You'll never get control again anyway, so it doesn't matter. And it's the same thing they did with the filibuster on judicial nominees. Well, Republicans are coming back and they've said that they are not going to have uh, Rish, uh, who is it? Ilhan Omar and Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell on there. They're going to remove them from their committees. Swalwell should not be on the Intelligence Committee. He has been the concubine of a Chinese communist spy. Ilhan Omar should not be on the Foreign Relations Committee. She is a rabid anti-Semite and would love nothing more than to see the destruction of Israel. You can't have that. She is cozying up with the enemies of the United States. You can't have that on the Foreign Affairs Committee with access to important information that our enemies would love to have. And Adam Schiff being booted off of the Intelligence Committee and a couple of other committees. Now, why? Why? Because Adam Schiff, while he didn't sleep with a Chinese communist spy, he didn't have to. They, he just gave him the information. Swalwell had to be seduced out of it. Schiff is the biggest leaker in the House of Representatives, if not the entire Congress. He cannot be given access to sensitive information because it goes directly to CNN. Hell, he makes stuff up that goes directly to CNN that is later proven to be false, that is proven not to have existed. And he is such a fountain of information to CNN that CNN refuses to expose him as the source for the false information that he's spread over there. He has to go. He should go. He should be gone. Well, listen to Adam Schiff now who was instrumental in getting Steve Bannon, was it four months in prison? And countless other Americans' legal bills up the wazoo for failure to comply, contempt of Congress, all these threats. Listen to him when asked by Dana Bash on CNN whether or not he would comply, because there's a lot of questions about what Adam Schiff has done in the last few years. Turns out he's not all that interested and I guess you can be uh, disinterested in subpoenas when you know that the Democrat Attorney General of the United States isn't going to treat you the way he treats Republicans. If you are subpoenaed by Republicans when they take over, will you comply? Um, you know, we'll have to consider the validity of the subpoena. I'll have to consider the validity of the subpoena. You don't get to consider the validity of the subpoena. That's not how... It works. Subpoenas are issued. They want information. You are obligated by subpoena to provide that information. That's the Schiff way. It is. It was when he was in charge. Now he's going to I'll have to determine the validity. You don't get to determine the validity, pal. Unless, of course, you are aware of the fact that Merrick Garland perhaps the worst Supreme Court nominee forever, ever, and definitely the worst attorney general, the most politicized attorney general. Unless you are confident that that person is not going to prosecute you the way that he has prosecuted and threatened to prosecute Republicans who say they will not comply with subpoenas, no matter how valid. Now, Bannon's assertion of executive privilege was garbage, but at least it was an assertion 
And he later changed his tune and said he would comply, but the Democrats said too late. Sorry. Schiff isn't even bothering to pretend to be legitimately interested in legal recourse for getting out of a subpoena. He will determine the validity of it. It is the arrogance of power. And he really should, frankly, end up in jail. Nothing would make me happier than watching him, this arrogant ass, end up in jail, wouldn't it? It would be wonderful. All right, I want to shift it a little bit. We've talked about how Democrats suck. Now we've got to talk about the Trump issue, the latest Trump story. And this is, you sit there and you go, well, do we talk about this? How do we talk about this? Because you run risk of a whole bunch of people who are huge Donald Trump fans getting angered and missing the point ignoring the point, refusing to hear it because they think you're attacking Donald Trump when in reality you're just reporting what's going on. And frankly, you should be mad at Donald Trump. What do I mean by that? Well, you should be mad at Donald Trump. Donald Trump has been president of the United States, right? He's been in the public eye his whole adult life. Now, most of it was in New York where he just, you know, it was about getting attention. Just get attention. That was it. His publicity strategy was to get attention. And in New York, at, at that time, not involved in politics, just getting attention was and all, all he cared about was attention. And he got it. And that was a perfectly fine strategy. It's different when you're president of the United States, when you're running for president of the United States again, whatever it, it's it's different. And if you can't see that difference, then you shouldn't be running for president of the United States. And another thing that there's a big Trump problem with is he has been president of the United States already. And he doesn't seem to have grown from the experience. It's not to say he wasn't a great president. It's to say that he doesn't seem to have grown from the experience. He doesn't seem to have learned anything from the experience of it. That's problematic. If you want to be president again, you want to be president, you've got to be better than you were before, no matter how good you were. And it's not just, okay, you were good before, so we're going to have you be president again. You've got to have something you want to do, and you better have the means by which to do it. The presidency of Donald Trump was good. It was very good. It was excellent. It was not perfect. It was miles from perfect. What do I mean by that? Well, personnel, in a lot of cases, is policy. He hired a lot of really bad people, a lot of disloyal people, a lot of liberal people, frankly, and a lot of people who stabbed him in the back, and a lot of people where he said, I'm only hiring the best people, and then he ends up getting into a big public fight as president of the United States with those people, which is counterproductive and wildly stupid, to be perfectly honest with you. He also has to, I think, demonstrate an ability to hire good people now, all right? Going forward, he can't do policy advisors via who he saw on Fox News. That was, make no mistake about it, that was why John Bolton got hired. He saw him on Fox News. And John Bolton was John Bolton. If you liked John Bolton before, you probably liked John Bolton after. If you didn't like John Bolton before, you probably didn't like John Bolton after. Why? Because John Bolton is a war hawk. He was a war hawk going in. He was a war hawk coming out. He's a war hawk to these days. He likes to. He likes war. 
So why would you hire somebody if you don't really have any interest in going to war? Why would you hire somebody if who's going to try to push you to go to war and then who's going to badmouth you if you do, if you don't go to war? Those sorts of personnel decisions. Trump, I don't know. He needs to demonstrate, at least to me, that he has learned from those mistakes and won't make them again, that it is not about flattery. And there are a lot of people in Washington, D.C., who, if you just kiss their butts just a little bit, just enough, whatever, they will, uh, you can play them like a fiddle. That's problematic. Problematic, not just for the president of the United States, it's problematic everywhere. Joe Biden's the same kind of way. Joe Biden has an enormous ego. And you compliment him, you say nice things about him, you're very much likely to fall in his favor. Why? Because you're feeding him the one thing he absolutely loves. Ego food. So when Donald Trump, the latest story here, it's from Byron York. Byron York, I find to be one of the few reporters in the world that is actually a reporter. So I will read Byron York's version of this latest controversy. The headline is, it's from Byron York. He's chief political correspondent for the Washington Examiner. So says, Trump gets played in Mar-a-Lago dinner with Kanye West, Nick Fuentes, and Milo Yiannopoulos. I didn't even really know if that Milo was there. I didn't. He's, I guess he's fallen so far down that he doesn't rate in all the headlines. Nick Fuentes does. So, Trump gets played. What is sure to be one of the weirder moments of the 2024 presidential campaign? I can't believe we are... Uh, talking about the 2024 campaign again, has uh, just taken place before the campaign even fully gets underway. Here's the short version. Just before Thanksgiving, former President Donald Trump had dinner at Mar-a-Lago with Kanye West, Nick Fuentes, and Milo Yiannopoulos. West is the famous rapper, businessman, and reported bipolar disorder patient who has said he will run for president in 2024. A campaign he began last month by announcing on Twitter he was going DEFCON 3 on Jewish people, end quote. A threat that was brought, that has brought him widespread condemnation and loss of lucrative contracts. Fuentes, who many readers might not have heard of, is a 24-year-old white nationalist self-promoter who has sought publicity and online donations with a long series of racist and anti-Semitic statements and is now apparently working for West's so-called campaign. Yiannopoulos is a 38-year-old British provocateur who spent a good part of his life doing the same sort of thing that Fuentes does and is now apparently also working with Yi24, which is how West, who wants to be known simply as Yi, refers to his presidential campaign. They went down they had dinner with Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago. I don't know Nick Fuentes. I've not followed Nick Fuentes. I don't really give a damn what any single 24-year-old has to say in the political scene. I think you've still got a lot of learning to do at that age. I also don't... I never followed Milo Yiannopoulos. I just didn't. He wasn't impressive to me most times. He was mildly amusing sometimes, but at a certain point, you have to get beyond... This is my problem with a lot of people in politics. They're very good at getting attention for themselves. And then they don't ever do anything with it. 
except make money for themselves. And look, making money for yourself, nothing against making money for yourself. But if you make money for yourself while claiming to be altruistically only involved in advancing the conservative agenda, at some point you should advance the conservative agenda, shouldn't you? Shouldn't you? And if you're given the choice between getting money or advancing the conservative agenda, if you consistently choose making money, if you make your appearances or your shows or whatever, simply commercials for your other ventures and all about you in one way or another, ultimately all roads lead back to you and sign up for my newsletter and listen to my podcast and listen to my show and do this that, and the other thing. Read my column. It, it gets old. To what end are you working towards? At what point does the uh, agenda that you're trying to push matter? I'm not saying you got to push it all the way down to nothing, but for God's sake, sooner or later, you should be able to advance an agenda without simultaneously advancing your own financial interests. Or you should, I don't know, take a break from advancing your own financial interests to try and advance an agenda. Shouldn't you? At some point... I think so. And Milo was very good back when he was a thing at getting attention, at being a provocateur. But to what end would be my question? Because I, I don't know what he ended up accomplishing other than he made himself a lot of money and then he made himself a pariah. Okay, maybe that's enough. Maybe that's all he wanted. I don't know that he's particularly conservative. I know that he was conservative on a couple of things. And they started off in Gamergate, which wasn't really any, wasn't important, quite frankly. Interesting, entertaining, but not particularly important in the grand scheme of things. And he parlayed that into, you know, speeches for a lot of money and traveling the country and whatever. And then he imploded. He imploded because he didn't make it about anything other than himself, seemingly. And if you don't make it, if you just make it about yourself, then all they've got to do is take you out, expose you for whatever. And it was like clips of him. I don't know. He wasn't embracing pedophilia, but he was uh, downplaying pedophilia. Just was bad. You've got to understand if you're going, even if you're fake, you're coming at something from the right, you've got to be aware that your quotes could be taken out of context pretty easily. And they will be. There's an entire left-wing industry designed to take you out of context for the express purpose of ruining you. And so you should not give them ammunition. There are ways to speak. There are things, there are analogies you don't make. There are things you just don't do. It doesn't matter. You shouldn't make pedophile analogies. You shouldn't make Holocaust analogies in any event anyway. So you just don't do those things. The people... You, you don't sell arms, you don't give arms, ammunition, to your enemies. You just don't. Milo seemed to do that, and he seemed to revel in it, and sooner or later, somebody found something, and it blew him up. Nick Fuentes, I don't know much about. I've seen clips. It's not somebody I would associate with. It's not somebody I'd want to have anything to do with. Kanye West is not somebody I could deal with because he doesn't seem capable of focusing to the point to be able to have a conversation with. And what's the point? I mean, I guess if your only goal is to vacation on a yacht with Kanye West, then you put up with it and you just, whatever, smile and nod. But if you want to have a, a normal human conversation with somebody, you need to have somebody on the other end 
who can have that conversation with you, and he doesn't seem to be able to focus for that long, whether it's bipolar or nobody telling him no his entire life, whatever it is. But the simple fact of the matter is none of these people are the real problem, no matter how problematic they may be individually or not. The real problem is the president of the former president of the United States needs to be a little bit more sure of who he's having dinner with. He's having dinner with Kanye. What is the point of having dinner with Kanye? Well, we're friends with Kanye. You're not really friends with Kanye. They weren't hanging out. All right. They said nice things about each other. Kanye came from the rap world and Donald Trump was a god in the rap world. Trump is mentioned in more rap songs than, than strippers are because he was the easy way to say rich, right? That was the image that Donald Trump had cultivated. So that somebody likes Donald Trump, is a fan of Donald Trump, is not a good enough reason to have dinner. You're former president of the United States who wants to be president of the United States again, and you have to think of things in those terms. You have to demonstrate that you have grown and learned from your first term as president. One of the reasons Donald Trump lost... And there's a lot of shady dealings and a lot of things, a lot of law changes that certainly seemed unconstitutional to me. But part of the reason that Donald Trump lost, and I'd say a big factor in it, was people just got sick of hearing about Donald Trump. They just got sick of every, him having an opinion on everything and weighing in on everything. It was like, enough already. Now, the media helped feed into that. They saturated the coverage of it, but two-hour-long press conferences every day for COVID were a big part of it, too. You can't miss somebody if they don't go away. You can't be uh, interested in what somebody has to say if they never shut up, right? And so Donald Trump needs to demonstrate that he learned. For a lot of those people, it's not Trump fatigue syndrome, It's not Trump derangement syndrome. These are people that I know, particularly back in Michigan. These are retired auto workers who love Donald Trump, but are just sick of hearing about him. They wish he'd go away for a while. They can't miss him if he won't go away. That's something. It's it's Trump exhaustion syndrome, where people are just like, my God, enough. Please give it a rest. You know, some Republican does something, Ron DeSantis wins re-election, and Donald Trump has to come out there and take a dump on it and try and make it about him. It's like, okay, just just shut up. Just can you shut up? That's what I hear more than anything when I talk to these people, people I used to play cards with, euchre with. All that. It's like, enough already. Donald Trump should be using this time to demonstrate that he's learned from his past mistakes. But to do that, you have to admit that you made past mistakes. And that's not on brand. So you don't have to admit that you've made them, but you should learn from them by acting a little bit differently. By when you have dinner offers and Kanye West wants to come over for dinner, you might go, I don't, I don't know that I want to have dinner with you. All right? There's some, they've been bad-mouthing each other going back. It's not somebody stable. What comes out of it? What does this benefit? Because they're really not friends. They're friendly. The question is nothing. Nothing benefits from it. And then you say, all right, come on over for dinner because you want to. Okay, fine. Maybe they really truly are friends who hung out and had lunches and dinners all the time. I doubt it, but maybe. I don't think an near octogenarian is hanging out with a dude in his 30s. I just don't see that happening. I don't see them partying like that. But when he brings two people with him, 
that think of them what you will, and I don't care what you think of them, but it's, if you're running for president, a simple search of the internet might go, because you don't get close to the former president without permission. Simple search, go, you know what? These are not people I want to be associated with. If only because there's no good that comes of it for me. And it gives my enemies a lot of ammunition that I don't need to supply them. You should say no. That's my problem with it, is that it... Dem- I don't know if anti-Semite... I've seen clips of Fuentes where he's... Uh, sure as hell seems like he's denying the Holocaust happened. And he sure as hell doesn't... And to the extent that it did happen, he doesn't seem to care that it happened. He's not a big fan of the Jews in my estimation, from the clips I've seen. Which, again, if he's not, well, then he really probably should clear that up, but uh, I don't really care either way. As somebody running for president, Donald Trump needs to surround himself with people who are willing to smartly tell him no. Smartly keep people like this at bay. Now, they're going to go out, if you say no, they might go out and whine and complain that, oh, he won't have dinner with me or he won't, he's afraid or he's being, who cares? Who cares? But he doesn't seem to do that. My biggest concern for Donald Trump for 2024 is he doesn't learn any, he hadn't learned anything from the last time. He doesn't seem to want to acknowledge that there are just some people out there who are big fans of his, who are suffering quite honestly, and quite seriously from Trump exhaustion syndrome. Now, he never does. Nobody ever gets sick of themselves. But if you want people's votes, if you want people's support, you've got to acknowledge that. He can't go away. He's announced he's running for president. But he doesn't have to be what he was before. You have to show that you, you've grown some, don't you? You're president of the United States. Did you learn anything from that experience? Are you a better person from that experience? Are you a better candidate because of that experience? You start by not having dinner with a bunch of crazy people who have their own self-promotion agendas. At least I think that's what you do. That's what you should do anyway. Um, By the way, an update on the Colorado Springs shooting. I love this audio from CNN. CNN is still, if you notice, the story's going away. Five people are still dead. 17 people have still been shot. and 18 or 19 people were injured in one way or another. But there's a, a mass shooting. Democrats love mass shootings. They try to advance a political agenda. For them, and this gives them the opportunity to do so and call the United States homophobic, transphobic, whatever kind of phobic. It is, it's weird how, like, gay club shooting immediately led to Democrats insisting that it was transphobia that set this up when, you know, trans people or cross-dressers, drag queens, are not gay, we're told constantly, not necessarily gay or whatever. It's just something some people do. But then there's trans. They need to figure out what the hell is going on. Is, is there, there's a drag queen, which can is not meaning that somebody's trans. And then there's trans, which means they're not doing drag. And then there's straight people, allegedly, that do drag. And, and all this thing, and you're like, no, they're just conflating it because they want it to use. They want to use these deaths. It's a sickness. Well, um, now that it came out, and I warned you this would happen, that the killer was is 
non-binary, meaning on the trans spectrum, playing the gender game, one of their team, that this story would go away. And it is. It is. It's gone, basically, now. But before they went on uh, Wednesday, I think, maybe Friday, a trans activist appeared on CNN, a dude named Natalie Bingham. And uh, the people who have spent the last X number of years insisting that simply because somebody declared their gender, it means they are that gender and you can't challenge it or you are some sort of transphobe, all immediately forgot that. All immediately went another direction. And when the killer turned out to be uh, make a narrative that they were hoping would be true, to, they made that narrative worthless, suddenly everything changed. It's, it's funny. Now listen to this. If you did this about anybody, if you did this about Natalie Bingham, CNN would condemn you, Natalie Bingham would condemn you. But because this dude, Natalie Bingham, does it about a killer that they don't want to claim credit for in the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ mafia, it's perfectly okay. Natalie, when we started the show, we just got, we got a little bit of news earlier that the attorneys for the shooter um, are now saying that the shooter is non-binary and the, sho- the shooter... Uh, would like to use the pronouns they, them. And this is for the court in all court papers. And that's what um, Anderson Aldrich's attorneys are saying. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think that's um, complete ludicrous. (laughs) Um, I believe they're just saying that because they want to have the easy way out on this. Um, that's really, really um, offending, especially being a transgender woman myself, that a male, which it was obvious with the mugshot, that's a man. That's not a non-binary person because in no way, shape, or form could they appear as a woman the next day. Um, it's really offensive to even hear that, that they're playing that role. Um, and if they're non-binary, why would you go after the club where you feel safe at? Why would you do that to a community where you are welcomed in if you are non-binary? Excellent question. Obviously, all of this will have to be answered. <laughs> Excellent question. Excellent question. Why would you do... Uh, hey, my favorite part is, you know, we're not supposed to say, hey, you don't look like a woman to the guy in prison who says, I'm a chick, put me in a chick prison. But this trans activist can say... Obviously, he's not non-binary because there's no way. Look at him. He couldn't pass for a woman. Well, how do you know? Maybe he passes for an overweight woman. Woman. There are plenty of women out there who don't match up with gender stereotypes. You horrible, transphobic, cisnormative monster. Right? Isn't that the game they play? As we uh, wrap it up here for you, ladies and gentlemen, I got a couple more clips I want to play for you because... These leftists are, uh, it's amazing. Remember, oh, during the campaign, nobody wants to defund police. Who would ever do anything about defunding the police? Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut, uh, big-time lefty, big-time gun grabber, wants wannabe gun grabber, is upset that there are Second Amendment sanctuaries across the country. Now, there, what, are, what is the Second Amendment sanctuary? We talked about it a long time ago. 
These are areas where the local governments are saying we're not going to enforce federal gun laws, period, end of story. It is up to that. You violate federal gun laws. They come get you. They let the feds know about it, whatever. And in the spirit of leftists looking at the federal immigration laws, they have said, I'm not interested in helping the federal government enforce gun laws. You want to do that? Go ahead and do it on your own. You guys spend the money. We're not going to spend the time and money enforcing federal laws that we think are garbage or whatever on our citizens. It's celebrated by Democrats when they do so about immigration laws, sanctuary cities. Oh, it's so progressive. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And we celebrate them not cooperating with ICE. The Biden administration celebrates them not cooperating with ICE. And what's weird is, you know, as Americans get injured and killed by these illegal aliens and they're released from you find out oh this person was an illegal alien and they'd been in custody but it's a sanctuary city so they did not tell anybody about having this illegal alien in custody and uh, oh well to hell with them democrats get silent about it the media gets silent about it and then the next illegal alien gets out does the same they, they're silent about it. they don't care about certain body counts they just don't care about it. But when it comes to the very concept that they cheer for illegal aliens, that is distributing fentanyl across the country and killing 100,000 people a year, and not only the straight murder, the violence, whatever, they don't care. But when it comes to guns, they care desperately. When it comes to people exercising their Second Amendment rights in a way that the government doesn't approve of, which is, well, the government has no approval. Read the Second Amendment. The government has no right of first refusal when it comes to how you exercise your right to self-protection. Then suddenly, Chris Murphy and Democrats are saying if they don't enforce these laws, maybe we need to defund the police there. Now, on a personal, from a personal perspective, I think that'd be good. I'd love to see the federal government getting out of the funding of police. It's not a federal government job. It's up to state and local governments to fund their police. Same thing when it comes to education. Get the federal government out of education. Period. End of story. Move away. Move along. There's no constitutional role for the federal government in education. So let's get them out of there. Let's get rid of them. That's not what they're doing. They just want to use this as a cudgel. And, of course, we know that politicians, local, state, federal, they all become addicted to having money, right? They all become addicted to having that money. And the the idea of it going away scares the hell out of them. But it's very interesting about what Chris Murphy gets upset about. Not enforcing federal gun laws but doesn't give a damn about enforcing federal immigration laws. And he also was one of those people who insisted they didn't want to defund the police. This is him over the weekend, I believe, on CNN. I think we have to have a conversation about whether we can continue to fund uh, law enforcement in states where they are refusing to implement these gun laws. I'll talk to my colleagues about what our approach should be to this problem. But 60 percent of counties in this country are refusing to implement the nation's gun laws. We've got to do something about that.
Yeah, we've got to do something. 60% of the county. Well, this is what democracy looks like, isn't it? <clears throat> isn't it? I mean, that's what you guys chant. That's what your tramp stamp tattoo says. This is what democracy looks like. Shouldn't you be in cheering that? Shouldn't you look at a 60% as a landslide 20-point victory? 60% over 40%. But no. You've got to defund the police in these areas. Defund the police in these areas. Defund the police federally across the the country, except for, you know, FBI law enforcement, federal law enforcement. You shouldn't be funding local law enforcement. It would force localities and states to, I don't know, get their fiscal house in order, pull their heads out of their rear ends. But uh, that's not what Democrats want. Democrats thrive in places where people have their heads up their rear ends. But you've got to admire it. I love this. I love the hypocrisy being exposed. Well, if it's simply an option, these are the people, by the way, these law enforcement people are the ones who are ordered by local Democrat politicians and cheered. Those local Democratic politicians are cheered by national Democratic politicians when they say we will not enforce federal immigration law. They're cheered for that. Yay, great. Not that the laws are no longer on the books. Doesn't matter. You don't have to follow laws if Democrats don't like them. If Democrats do like them, they will come after you in every way, shape, or form like a rabid spider monkey going after a shiny object. Just wanted to point out that hypocrisy. And lastly, Dr. Ashish Jha, Joe Biden's top COVID advisor. He was on, I believe, CBS this weekend Talking about short, he's asked by Margaret Brennan about shortages. There are serious shortages of baby formula, there are serious shortages of antibiotics. Even apparently ibuprofen in some areas is dangerously low as we enter cold and flu season. But don't worry, he doesn't give a damn about that. He makes some anecdote up about, no, I couldn't always get the medicine I wanted to prescribe when I was a doctor, which seems like garbage because he avoids giving any specifics. And I bet you he's lying. But then he says, but don't worry, we got plenty of COVID vaccines on hand. Yeah, I wonder why. Ask about this, this shortage of amoxicillin um, and even ibuprofen in some places. Yeah. What, what do they do about that? Yeah, this is, you know, we have, we have some broader supply chain issues with our medications that we've had for decades. I have seen this as a practicing clinician. I often, when I walk into the hospital, find some normal medicine that I'm used to using not available. We have got to continue working on that. We've made a lot of strides in this administration, uh, but our work here is not done. So we've got to continue making sure uh, that these medicines are, are available. I will tell you, the good news is Plenty of vaccines for flu and, and COVID, plenty of treatments for flu and COVID. Those are still out there. We have plenty of those, but we've got to work on the other things. Yeah, if your kid gets sick, you're screwed. But don't worry, you can go get a vaccine that won't do anything for you. Isn't that comforting to you? That was this week, not uh, CBS. But anyway, the garbage was still the same. It doesn't matter which can it's sitting in. That is all the time we have for today, or enough time in any event. We'll be back to do it all again tomorrow because the crazy, even when you want it to, never stops. I appreciate you listening. See you tomorrow.